Let's pray together again. Thank you, O God, for this opportunity to look into your word. We thank you, Lord, for teaching us and for your presence here among us. And we pray that our lives will be interrupted and changed as a result of hearing your word. Through Christ we pray. Amen. I want to call attention to the fact that there are blanks in your bulletin that you may want to fill out under message notes, or if you don't want to uh, fill out the blanks, you can simply uh, take some notes there uh, of, the, of the sermon. I decided to give the, my sermon title as Running Away as we embark on this uh, look at the, at the uh, prophet Jonah. The Old Testament contains a total of 17 prophetic books, and, and there are five major books, five major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel, five of those major books, and 12 minor prophets. The 12 minor prophets are Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and then Jonah in all caps, which is what we'll look at today, and Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zagariah, and Malachi. And so as you can see, the book of Jonah is this odd little book sandwiched between Obadiah and Micah, a book of only four chapters, so it's very easy to divide up the book uh, into four sermons, looking at a chapter, the chapters are not that long, looking at one chapter each particular Sunday. Now, in the other prophet books, the other prophetic books of the scriptures, the prophet is seen in a positive light. It's seen in a light that is uh, glorifying uh, of the, the prophet, at least an accepting light. But this is not true for the prophet Jonah. Jonah, we might say, is no hero. And by the time we reach the end of the four chapters, by the time we reach the end of the book, we discover that indeed Jonah still does not get it right. He just doesn't get it. So that by the time we reach the end of the book, even after he has prophesied to Jonah, we find that he is sulky, uh, prophesied to the people of Nineveh. He has finally responded to what God asked him to do. He then sits down and sulks and becomes suicidal. And he says, why don't it be better if I just die? Now the other prophets are collections of their sermons, collections of their oracles that they preach to the people but we don't find this in Jonah either. This is not how the book of Jonah is presented. There is only one prophetic message that is given that Jonah is, is, gives, and that is only five words in the original language. That's only one message, and we'll look at that later. Jonah and his prophetic ministry are mentioned only one other place now, Jesus refers to Jonah, but as far as his ministry is mentioned only one other place in the Old Testament in 2 Kings 14.25, where Jeroboam II recovered the territories of Israel between Labah 
Hamath and the Dead Sea, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hever. So let's look then at the passage that we'll look at today, the entire uh, chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying for the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you be asleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So Jonah is getting along very well with his life. And he heard a divine call. He heard the commission from God to go to Nineveh and to preach against this great, great city, this great and powerful city of approximately 600,000 people. So God called Jonah to go to this urban center for the wickedness of the city, the people in this metropolitan area, 
had reached the attention of God. Now, it, what a privilege it was for Jonah to be invited, to be commissioned by God to go to the city. Not everybody is receiving a commission direct from God to go to do what God is asking him to do. Some of the other prophets prophesied, the prophets that we listed here and those minor prophets also prophesied about Nineveh. But they were not instructed to go to the city of Nineveh like Jonah was. So Jonah had this special privilege, a special honor that came only to a few persons. What do we find? Jonah does not respond verbally to God. He does not say anything to God. He doesn't complain about his assignment. In fact, there's no response at all verbally. But he doesn't just stay where he is also. He doesn't ask God to complain. He doesn't complain to God and say like Moses did, oh, send somebody else. Jonah doesn't do that. So when Moses was called to lead the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, Moses argued with God. He complained to God. He complained so much so that God provided his brother Aaron to assist him in the task. The prophet Elijah also received a call from God. The prophet Elijah was told in 1 Kings 17, the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. So we see in contrast to Jonah that Elijah went. Elijah responded by going immediately to the city where he was instructed to go, in this case, the city of Zarephath. But Jonah does not respond to the voice of God. But, as I started to say earlier, he doesn't continue to stay in his hometown either. Jonah, this erstwhile prophet of God, takes matters into his own hands. So what does he do? He goes to the seaport of Joppa, and to get a ticket to Tarshish, further and further away from Nineveh. I'm not sure if you can see Nineveh up there in the, uh, in the corner. To the, the land of Israel is right there by the Mediterranean Sea, and in fact, you can see Joppa right there by the Mediterranean Sea where, where Jonah is ready to get on board the ship. Instead, he goes the opposite direction from Nineveh. And we aren't sure where, where, where Tarshish is located. But some scholars think that Tarshish is in Spain. And later in one of the passages that we'll look at, it refers to Tarshish, the other passage of Scripture, refers to Tarshish as a place where there are monkeys and gold and silver and peacocks. So... Uh, we have one person from our congregation who is Laura Thomas, who is in Spain and recently went to the Rock of Gibraltar. And when she went there on this trip, one of the monkeys came out and sat on her shoulder. And now she has this on Facebook. So perhaps Tarshish was right there 
by the rock of Gibraltar. And you can see Laura's picture there, and she said that was, she had debated whether or not she should go on that field trip, but was so delighted to do that, and she enjoyed the, the monkey coming and sitting on her shoulder. So Tarshish is not just an ordinary place. When Solomon was king, every three years, it says in 1 Kings 10.22, that his shipping fleet, as I mentioned, brought these exotic animals of peacocks and apes. So as Jonah went into the office and he bought the travel agency there at Joppa, he perhaps saw a poster of saying, come to Tarshish, a poster with frolicking couples and good beaches and sand and sun and wind, saying, come away to Tarshish and relax. So everything, everything seemed to be working out and going according to plan for this reluctant prophet. He could board the ship immediately because the ship was in port and he had enough money, he had saved enough money in his work to, to uh, provide for the, the fare and he was bone tired from his overland trip to where he was living to, to Joppa and so he goes down into the ship and goes down into the hold of the ship and he immediately falls asleep and so he was probably thinking, ah, oh, forget Nineveh. This is wonderful. Forget what God is calling me to do. Forget it. I'm on a different plan. I'm on a different mission. He was going to the most exotic, most enticing, and most enchanting place ever. The most exotic and enchanting place that he could imagine. He was out of here. He was going to Tarshish. But we then discover that there were some problems that Jonah encountered in his plans to run away, and this is the way one artist depicted. He encountered his God as Jonah confesses to the sailors that, he, that this God is the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. So a great, great storm came up, so much so that the sailors were afraid they would all go down under the sea. Jonah is blissfully asleep, and the word that is used is correctly translated uh, in, the, uh, in the New International when it says he's in a deep sleep. The pagan captain proclaims the same words, the same commission that God gave to Jonah when the captain said, get up. He heard those words at the beginning of the story. Don't stay asleep, the captain says. You need to pray for to your God so that we can be rescued. There are two important words that occur numerous times in this chapter. And those words are hurled and fear. God hurled the wind. And it is the sailors who hurl the cargo overboard to lighten the ship so that they could be saved. But as the, as the storm continued, the sailors, these mariners, needed to hurl one more object into the sea, and that is 
what Jonah told them to do. They also need to hurl him into the sea. And that's what they did, pictured here by the artist, as the sailors are hurling Jonah into the sea. And in verse 5, we see that the sailors were not paralyzed by their fear. Instead, they responded by praying to their gods and by hurling the cargo overboard. And then in verse 16, the word fear is used in a different sense to describe their fear of God. And when they did that, they cried to the Lord, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. You've sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. We, as sisters and brothers, are also tempted by Tarshish. We are tempted by the advertisements, by the glamorous descriptions of Tarshish, and we wish God would call us to a different place. We wish God would call us to a different place to fulfill God's assignment. We might ask, why did God ask me to work in this monotonous place of employment? Or we may whine and complain to anyone who will listen to us, why did God call me to this place and this time, even in retirement? Why did God call me to this place and this assignment? Or why does God want me to worship with this particular band of believers? Why does God want me to go to the residence of Nineveh And the residents of Nineveh, as we just finished the Art of Neighboring series, perhaps we can say that the residents of Nineveh are our neighbors, our literal neighbors that God is calling us to go to. And we don't go to them just so that they come to church, that they come to our worship, but we share with them the love of God and the mercy of Jesus Christ because they are people made in the image of God. We love them and every person because God's image is found in them. Tarshish is a special place. It's an exotic place. A place with monkeys in the trees and peacocks preening and showing their feathers. And we might say, oh God, are you sure? Are you sure you didn't call me to go to Tarshish? That's much better than the walled city of the Assyrians. Serving God in Nineveh and going to Nineveh, we might say, is like the farmer mucking out the stalls. That's certainly not a glamorous job, but somebody has to do it. But we also discover that God is not done with Jonah yet. After all these experienced mariners realized, and all the efforts that they had to get through this this horrible storm, they even attempted to row back to land. And then they call on God to absolve their guilt as they throw Jonah into the sea. 
So God prepared a huge fish to swallow Jonah and to bring the prophet to his senses. God, and this is also as an artist depicting this, is the fish is there and to swallow Jonah. So God continues to impress on this reluctant prophet that he indeed is needed, that he is the messenger who has been chosen to do this difficult task. And it was God who insisted that Jonah do this task. He says, Jonah, this is your task. This is your work. And God doesn't give up. God continues to pursue Jonah. Now, we don't know for sure why Jonah didn't accept this task right away. But we do know that the Assyrians were known, and Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, that the Assyrians were known far and wide for their ruthless war-making, their ruthless efforts in the way they, they were ready to pounce on their enemies. And so perhaps Jonah was fearful for his very own life in the midst of carrying out of his assignment with God, perhaps that God had given to him, perhaps he was fearful that he would lose his life. And he might ask, what is one little Jewish prophet, Hebrew prophet, in the midst of all this humanity, what can I do to make a difference? And therefore, in the midst of Jonah's foray on the sea, on the way to the wonderful and delightful city of Tarshish, God chased down this reluctant prophet with a storm. One might ask, was Jonah not aware of the scripture in Psalm 139, verse 7, where the psalmist says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. So, what can we learn for today? What can we learn from this reluctant prophet? What can we discover about ourselves in this fascinating story, in this odd little book? Well, first, I would suggest that God indeed does give us difficult and challenging assignments as part of our call of discipleship. God knows what we're capable of doing. So Jonah needed to face directly into his fear of the Assyrians, and he needed to overcome that fear in order to be able to carry out the assignment. God knows what we are capable, and God will not rest until we are willing to do what God calls us to do. And if we go on the run, I think this tells us, this book tells us, if we go on the run, that God will track us down. Now before, that's the second point that's on the screen, but before I get into that, I wanted to tell a little personal, a personal story that while I was pastor of a congregation in Illinois, it became obvious that it was time to, there were various signs that pastors can tell when it's time to move from one congregation to the next. And so we decided, Ann and I decided to talk to the conference minister, pastor couple at that time. We met with them, and the conference minister team uh, agreed with our assessment and that it indeed was time to move from that congregation where we had been about 11, 12 years and to move to another congregation. 
And so, at that meeting already, we began to talk about other possibilities. And a particular congregation in Illinois was presented. And I had been very involved in, in conference work. And when that particular congregation was mentioned, I laughed in response. Now, the reason I laughed is because I knew it would be a difficult assignment and the kind of, of tensions that they had had, that the congregation had, with the previous pastor. But as God desired it, and as I candidated there at that congregation, that was where God called me to serve. That was the Nineveh where God wanted me to serve, and my first response was laughter. So maybe you can think of another way when God calls you and where your first response is, no way, God, or perhaps it was also laughter. Second point, God, in the midst of our disobedience and failure, to respond to God's call, God brings good and blesses others. In the midst of our disobedience, God brings good and blesses others. Notice that Jonah was sent to the pagans of Nineveh, but he also was able to preach and does preach to the pagans on the ship to the crusty mariners, the crusty sailors. The sailors were trying to discover who was responsible for the displeasure of the gods. And so they cast lots. And when the lot fell on their passenger Jonah, they peppered him with questions. Why has this awful storm come down on us? Who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? It's interesting to notice that Jonah only answers the last question. He says he's a Hebrew. He doesn't answer the other questions. And then he tells them more of something that they haven't asked about, which is about his faith. He answers a question about the particular God whom he's serving. And he gives a wonderful and a powerful testimony that the God he serves is this God who made this violent sea. Then, when the sailors throw him overboard, there's a calm, and these hardened sailors were, as it says in verse 16, were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve the Lord. These sailors, who at the beginning of the chapter were serving many gods, now agreed that this indeed was Yahweh. This was the Hebrew God, the one God, and they offered him sacrifices and vowed to serve him. That's amazing, isn't it? So, though Jonah was running away, God used Jonah right there, even though he, was, he failed as a prophet at first in going, and did not go to Nineveh. Thirdly, it's interesting to note that Jonah does not speak to God, but it seems that he speaks for God. He doesn't speak to God at the beginning of the chapter, or even he doesn't speak to God in chapter 2 he does when he's in the bottom of the sea in the belly of the fish, the whale. Then he, then he and Chelsea will preach on that next, next week. Then he's, he's desperate and does speak to God. But he remains speechless to God. But when the mariners ask him, on what advice do they have? What should they do to calm the sea? He speaks for God and he says, I'm the one that needs to be sacrificed. 
I know that this terrible storm is, is all my fault. Somehow, it gets through to him that this storm is because of his disobedience. And he needs to be sacrificed so for the violent sea to become calm. So he speaks for God and he has a remedy so that the storm will be stilled. We too are tempted to remain aloof from God and to not take time in prayer to speak to God or even to listen to what God has to say to us. So many, at least for me, I'm tempted many times to pray and it's all speaking to God rather than listening for what God might say. So we are tempted to remain aloof and not to listen for the Spirit to speak to us. And we may be like Jonah in that when God gives us an assignment, we too run the opposite direction. So this strange, strange little book tells a powerful story of the reluctant prophet who was running away from his assignment. So what do we run away from? I would ask you to ponder this week. What do you, what do each of us run away from that God is calling us to do? Do we run away from the assignment that we have heard about in the last three weeks on the art of neighboring? Do we run away from the opportunities that God gives to us to engage our neighbors around us? Yes, indeed. It's scary to go to the Ninevites. And yet, that is what God is calling us to do. Let us allow God, let us even invite God to interrupt us the way God interrupted Jonah in his living, his ordinary, mundane life. God interrupted him and commissioned him to go to Nineveh. Let us obey God and to serve God in the mundane and monotonous areas of life. Let us obey God and face into our fears and accept the assignment to go to the difficult and the scary situations that God is calling us toward. Amen.